Welcome in, Campo and Joe. We're counting down the days. The draft is next week, and we're looking forward to talking a little Jaguar football with you. Joe C. from XL Primetime, Coach Dave Campo. He's our head coach right here on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. And, Coach, I'm telling you, you know, as we get the fans kind of a little more fired up this week and next week, I mean, the energy is really starting to build as far as what this draft's going to bring. Well, you know, the, I mean, you have a great season like we did, mm-hmm. a great finish to the season. Yep. Uh, you know, the expectations and the excitement are still here in the city. People here in Jacksonville got to be fired up because, yeah. you know, one or two really good picks could make the difference in finishing where they did this year and finishing a little farther along the line there. Yeah. So this is a great week. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting a little tired talking about the draft. <laughs> I want to see it now. Yeah, yeah. you, you want to see some results. You want to see some names. Uh, and I know Jaguar fans want to as well. But but as I pointed out to Frank Frangie after, after XL Primetime was wrapping up today, like we have had the luxury of a postseason that we haven't had in half a decade and a postseason that went on for a couple of weeks and then the joy and the euphoria that came out of that, and then you went into free agency. And even though it was kind of light, they didn't really have a whole lot of money to go out there and sign guys. We really haven't drilled down on the draft. I remember even trying to tell you, Coach, hey, Coach, I know you're, I know you're fired up for the draft. we got to talk free agency first. Now we finally get to talk about the Absolutely. draft. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, the other thing is, since I've joined, uh, you know, doing stuff with you guys, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of those years – we were talking the draft in the middle of November. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, this is great because it, it's, you know, the, it's shorter off season. Yeah. You know, when you're winning, it, yeah. it just goes faster. Yeah. Because if you think about it, Jaguars postseason, then basically the championship game, the Super Bowl, combine, free agency, and then boom, here game we are. like that is yeah. <laughs> quick. Now, the things that we got to get into today... Um, like before we get to the quarterback talk, let's just bring up Chad Muma, who we had on XL Primetime earlier today. If anybody wants to check it out, you can go to 1010XL.com, click on the on demand and, and listen to it. And I think more than anything else, it was cool that Chad Muma, he may not have been the best player. He may not have even been a signature player last year, but you know what he did signal coach? He was part of that change between Trevor Lawrence developing into a star quarterback all these pieces coming together, fighting through an 0 for October. And he talked about the growth that he went through and uh, and this team, what they went through. Well, first of all, you know, I listened to the show. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, the comment that you guys made afterwards was listening to him. If everybody has that mentality that he has, yeah. you know, you made the comment that he might be developing into a leader. Mm-hmm. Well, there could be a lot of leaders in that locker room, and that's where the culture changes yeah. occurred. I think, you know, they brought in smart, uh, solid, good character people yeah. that that played to their their ability level, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's how they got where they did in the second half of the season because they could have folded early. Oh, yeah, you know, and, which other teams have done here yeah. with the Jaguars. And you're talking about guys that not just show up and be accountable; they they put in work and they get results. And it's key that Muma, Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, we can go down the line with guys that had limited experience last year that were hurled into some important roles. This year, and I made the point to Chad, this year the players and Mike Caldwell as a second-year coordinator, they all can turn a big corner. Absolutely. And, you know, again, that's that's the excitement part of it is that not only are we going to 
help ourselves hopefully in the draft, mm -hmm. but we've already helped ourselves in free agency. You can say whatever you want with Ridley. Yeah. You know, I watched one of Ridley's workouts and mm -hmm. uh, he's the real deal. Yeah. Uh, and now you've got young guys in this program that have ability that are going to get better. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. with the coaching staff they have, I think they've got a really good coaching staff. I really enjoyed watching them in last year in training camp. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to these OTAs when mm -hmm. we can get out there. But they do a good job of coaching, and that's going to be a plus for sure. They're going to you're going to see improvement with them alone, not, yeah. not the guys that we bring in. It really is true because they only lost a couple of guys, and so keeping that core together, and then all of them feeling and tasting the success last year, and trying to add to it this year is only going to be a plus. So, tell folks as a head coach, as a guy who's been in these draft war rooms, you're eight nine days out. What are you really starting to drill down on now, solidifying the plan for the draft? Well, this week they're finishing up any studies that they've been doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they they get together and and they go through every player. They're finalizing the board. Okay. A lot of people think, well, you know, they already know what they're going to do. No, they, they, they have the board and it isn't finalized until the decision makers make that official. Right. So this week, that's what's happening. Next week, it's going to be more the, the assistant coaches, the coordinators, and all those people are out of it. It's mm -hmm. the decision makers, the, the head coach, the owner, the, the uh, personnel people mm -hmm. uh, are, are in there. And they're, they may be massaging the, ball, uh, the board a little bit based on need, mm -hmm. whatever. But uh, they're putting them into the categories that are going to make their picks. And... and uh, you know, they might have a mock draft. Uh, I don't know if they still do that. We did it, you mm -hmm. know, back in the day where each guy had a team in the organization, including all the scouts, and we had the needs of those teams. And we drafted the first two or three rounds uh, three or four times. Mm -hmm. to just somebody would step up and say, okay, uh, I want to make a trade with whatever. Mm -hmm. Just so that you have to, in your mind, you know, here's somebody we really wanted but now if somebody jumps us, you know, what do we do now? Yeah. You know, those kind of things, they may still rehearse mm -hmm. a little bit. We did it. I don't know if they still do that or not. Well, I, I described it to you earlier. It's a good problem to have. And by that, I mean the problem of figuring out who's going to be available at 24 right. and how many different choices you have. It beats the heck out of being at the top of the draft and having a few number, uh, a few players to select from. I don't mind sorting through, all right, is that tight end going to fall to us? Is that lineman going to fall to us? Is that cornerback going to fall? I'll take that all day long. Yeah, and and that's you know that's good. Uh, the only problem is the only thing I disagree with you mm -hmm. about if you're doing your homework, those first ten picks, they're legitimate guys. Now that doesn't right. always happen. Right. You don't always make the right decision, but you know those guys are legitimate guys. Once you get down into the back end of the draft. Mm -hmm. it, they're they're good players. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. They're, yeah. they're really good players, but there's a little bit more of a you know little indecision with with some of the 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 strengths and weaknesses. I well, guess I'll, I'll give you an example. And we've been doing our, our Duval Dirty Dozen. I'm just going to throw this at you, Coach, and we're going to get back to some of our draft picks. But I'm going to throw the Duval Dirty Dozen at you. And, and basically, we have come up with the good, the bad, the ugly uh, of the Jaguars draft history. Now, I always tie it back to 2008. 
That was when Derek Harvey was selected. That's when this Jaguar team moved up, uh, gave away draft capital to move up to get Derek Harvey. We all know that that was an absolute bust. Right. You were here coaching when that guy was selected, so you know exactly what I'm talking no, about. I no, I no, wasn't no, no. here you, in eight. You were here five, six, and seven. You yeah. left in eight. Yeah. And, and so, but you know exactly what I'm talking about just yes. in terms of the time period. They had just come off of a playoff run, which you were a part of. Right. And then you go up to Cleveland. Or Dallas. Uh, Dallas. Back to Dallas. Come from Cleveland here and then go back to Dallas. Right. And so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, Coach, of from 2008 to 2017, which is a decade of, of top 10 picks. Right. How many of those guys will ever, ever be thought about as a member of the Jaguar Pride? Any of these types of things that we would look to if you're talking about a top 10 pick, say, in the years before, Freddie T., Tony Baselli, right. the Trevor Lawrence, you know, in the in this uh, era. Yes. I mean, isn't it crazy? Yes. Uh, well, you know, I think uh, we mentioned this on the primetime show last mm-hmm. week, I believe. Uh, first round quarterbacks, mm-hmm. half of them were good players. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about of the of the sixty that have been picked. Yeah. Over since 2000. Half of them were good. Half of them were not good. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a crapshoot. That's for sure. It's yeah. not a guarantee. That's the problem. And so if you've been picking in the top 10 that long, I don't mind. I want, and we would always have this argument, Hacker and I, back in the day. And he's like, you can get the best player. I, I don't care. I want to be the best team. Well, I want to be, yeah. I want to be being talked about in October and November as opposed to April. Yeah, and and that point of it, I agree with you 100%. I'd rather be picking 24th than first because that means that we win a ways into the playoffs and all those kind of things. So I I agree with that point. If you're one of the last eight, that means you made it to the divisional round. That is as important as anything. Okay, so let's at least look at some of the focus that you have right now. And I wouldn't mind if you tell everybody that the way you view the draft, depending on how deep any particular year is, you're looking at maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, somewhere in the neighborhood of a dozen and a half elite players. And then after that, they may all kind of land in one big pile. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I heard the Buffalo GM mm-hmm. this week made a comment. He said he doesn't have, he's only got a few first round grades. Well, I don't, I don't believe that. But I will say that Normally, when that board is put up, there's usually about 17 or 18 guys that you have listed Mm -hmm. as the guys, in your opinion, are first-round guys. The strengths way outweigh the weaknesses, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they're the guys that are going to go. Well, once it goes past that, from there to about halfway through the second round, in my opinion— they're all the same guy. And what yeah. I mean by that is the grades are not going to be that much different mm-hmm. between those guys. They're yeah. all going to have strengths. They're all going to have weaknesses. And they're all going to be different positions. But you can bunch guys together. So mm-hmm. if you have, for example, a 24th pick, mm-hmm. there are probably five or six guys mm-hmm. that you have grades that are basically the same. Could be five different positions. Right. Well, those five guys, you've got to you've got to prioritize those because you don't know number one if they're going to be there, right. and number two, you don't know if somebody's going to jump over and take one of the guys you like. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, you've got to be ready to make that pick in in ten minutes or yeah. fifteen minutes, I yeah. think, for first round now. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, you know, you, you, you categorize the guys based on that. Mm -hmm. And hopefully if you have a need that in that bunch, hopefully you have two or three guys that right. are in that bunch that, yeah. that have your need. Yeah. Now, when it comes down to the actual pick though, I believe that if there's one of those guys in that first 18, that's still sitting there, mm -hmm. you got to take that guy. Right. Because he, in your opinion, has everything that it takes. The strengths way outweigh, uh, mm -hmm. weigh the re, uh, the weaknesses. Right. And you take the best player on the board. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes that's a guy you might need. Well, it, it can happen. And let's just use Pittsburgh as an example. Regard is a very good drafting team. They've done it for a long, long time. Uh, through a few coaches, a lot of success, and maybe just a handful of of personnel guys that have been making these decisions. But they would go back to the same position. It seemed like year after year after year, and you're like, wait a minute. They just went defensive tackle last year. Why right. are they going defense? Because they knew that that was the best player available. And and that's kind of what they did with uh, Lloyd and Muma mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. That's why I think they, they've got the right approach. Mm -hmm. They took the the best available mm -hmm. with Muma. I mean, they, you know, they didn't need to take Muma, mm -hmm. but they took the best available to, at that position. And uh, I think that's the way you have to go. And part of that, it should get better. For example, one of the great things about Pittsburgh is they've had very few coaches. Yeah. So, you know, they have a, a they know what they want their team to that's look exactly like. Right. They know, you know, the type of guys they want. Yeah. And that's what it appears to me that Doug Peterson has. Yeah. The the personality and the playbook from one guy can if it's consistent, it can pay off. Absolutely, because you know, those are the kind of guys you get. Yeah. I, I've said before that that the one thing about Jimmy Johnson that I have uh, uh, utmost respect for he always took smart guys mm -hmm. because he felt that those guys will learn. Mm -hmm. And if you're teaching them, they're going to get better. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, kind of the character and smart guys that, right. you know, that's kind of the, the kind of guys you're looking for. Yeah. And you're hoping that the Mumas, the Devin Lloyds, Trayvon Walkers, because those were very important first night picks into the second night with Muma, then Luke Fortner also on Friday night. I mean, those are really important picks that you better that you better get right. All right, so with the theory that Coach laid out, let's just say it's a dozen and a half. After that, you got a big pile to choose from. As we sit here, eight nine days out, the most important and pressing needs and match it up with the most attractive targets that are out there in the first round. It's not easy to do this. No. And, and we're just and, guessing. And and uh, I kind of read to you guys, the guys that I would like. Yeah, and there's a bunch of them, but that, you know, yeah, there's nothing but wrong with that. Yeah, but that's not the, that, the issue is, you know, what position do you, if one of those guys you really like is at that position, who right. do you take at 24? And I, right. my feeling is, first of all, we need to get better on defense. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that in my mind. But, it's very difficult to get the big lineman mm -hmm. unless you're in the right position. If a lineman is is there, an, I'm talking about offensive line, right. tackle. If there's a tackle there at number 24 mm -hmm. that you have graded very high, you're hopeful that one of those guys falls to that position. And the guy that I'm looking at is is Harrison. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be there. Harrison, the... the uh, the offensive tackle, 
mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, I'm, I've just lost my, uh, from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are, you know, you got uh, Paris Johnson, you got Skoransky from Northwestern, you got Jones from Georgia, Broad Jones. Right. You got, uh, and my next guy is Harrison, and okay. Harrison may be the guy that's there. Now, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay threw out a, a recent mock. This came out a little earlier today, and they basically went through the first three rounds, and they went pick for pick. They just kept swapping it out. Right. Bryce Young has now moved to the top of the draft. We'll throw a little thought at you uh, about him coming up here in just a second. But just to kind of give you where they were today, this is always changing, but let's just go from 21 on. Uh, Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of Southern Cal. And this kind of speaks to what Coach is saying, that there's a big pile, and I'm just going to give them a grade of 6.71. Is that okay? Yeah. 6.71, they're all right there. Right. And there's very little separating them. So Jordan Addison comes off the board. He goes to the Chargers. The Ravens take Emmanuel Forbes, which is one of the guys that Coach likes out of Mississippi State. Next guy, Joey Porter Jr., another cornerback from Penn State. So you're like, holy smokes, they're coming off the board. This is McShay picking Michael Mayer tight end at a Notre Dame. Now, I'm not even saying that we're on opposite sides of this argument, but I know that's a need. And if he is the highest graded player, even though you still may need a lineman and a cornerback, don't you got to go? Be, don't you got to be thinking about that a little bit? If if his grade mm-hmm. is the same as a bunch of uh, other people, mm-hmm. uh, then you take the guy the need. Okay. Okay. But if his grade is higher than a bunch of those people that you have there, right. then you have to take the tight end. And the great thing about that is that is a need it's for still us, a need. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's not, to me, the O-line pass rusher cornerback mm-hmm. outweighs that pick unless he's at number 15 on your board and you're at 24. Yeah, and that's really the way to look at it. If Michael Mayer, as you view it, and this may not be right, but as you view it, if he's the 15th best player on your board and you're picking nine spots after that and you've got a big pile of all these other guys that you kind of have rated a little bit lower than him, and by the way, the tight end room is a one-man room. That's yes. what I'm calling it. It's a one-man room. Man on an island, Evan Ingram. And you you, you haven't even signed him yet. Right. And so it's an empty room right, right. now. Right. So you need to think about that. Now let me give you this other half of this and okay. tell me whether you'd go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not doing that. Deontay Banks is still sitting there. Okay, the cornerback out of Maryland is still sitting there. Quentin Johnson, wide receiver, maybe not the most pressing need, but just I, Deontay Banks versus Michael Mayer. Oh, I'm taking Banks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I'm taking Banks if if Mayer is in that pile. Okay. I'm taking the best, the guy that helps us the most this year. Okay. I'm taking if the grades are close. If mm-hmm. I've got a cluster of five or six guys and the grades are close for mm-hmm. that position, and one of the guys that, that I've graded that from a need standpoint, I'm taking right. need then. Right. The only time I'm going best on the board is if all the other, you know, everybody's gone mm-hmm. and I still got a guy sitting up there and I get down to 24 and he's still sitting there. Yeah. I'm taking them right. If, I it, because I'm going with my board. I, mm-hmm. Obviously, other people have not seen the same thing in the guy. Right. But I'm taking the guy that I've graded, our people have graded, in that position on the board. Now, the next round, McShay picks Riley Moss, the cornerback out of Iowa. Now, we can all sit here and agree that they need to create more pass rush. 
need to cover better. They may need to have an answer at the nickel position and how to defend a, a tight end named Travis Kelsey. And they could certainly use a tight end to do what Doug wants to do, which is two tight end system. Right. So they're all there. You like Riley Moss with that second round pick? I would think that there would be another corner there better than Riley Moss, to okay. be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a deep corner draft. Yeah. What I would consider doing there is, and again, you know, this is all speculation. Yeah. We don't know where anybody's graded right. you know, on the right. deal. But I would consider th- there's going to be a bunch of corners that are going to go 31, 32. Uh, well, let's go second round, 32, right. 33, 34, yeah. 40, and before they get to us. Jacksonville doesn't pick till 56. Right. So to me, those corners probably go down into close to where we are. Okay. If I had to move a little bit to get them, I would move a little okay. bit to get one if right. they're there. So, and I'm just throwing thoughts at you to get your reaction. Right now, this team, you're the head coach, and you're not necessarily calling all the shots. You got Balky back there going, I'll leave that up to coach. Uh, <laughs> but would you be more inclined to make a move and give up draft capital in the second round, which is not as expensive, Versus making a move in the first round. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. And not hit the panic button. Absolutely. Unless there was somebody uh, up there that that you you you're absolutely convinced he's going to go before you do. Right. Right. And and not only that, you have to you have to be able to move. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't automatically. Well, I want to go from twenty four to twenty one. Yeah. Well, the guy at twenty one has got to agree with you. Exactly. He wants to move. Yeah. You know, I think we have. The good thing is having the two fourth round picks. Mm-hmm. I think moving to the second round At least it's a little draft is draft. a little easier, and that does make sense. Yeah. So I'm 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 asking you that because I'm thinking that, and I'm thinking if there is going to be a move, that would make sense. A good target area to give up some for give up some draft capital in the fourth round and make a move in the second round. Right. Right. And I agree with that. I think in the first round, you you would prioritize guys and you would mm-hmm. say, okay, that's one of the things you're you're doing in this last week of meetings, mm-hmm. the, the decision makers. Right. One of the things you do is you do an exercise. You go, okay, we're at 24. What happens if Carter's there mm-hmm. at 20? Wow. That would be something. What happens if this guy falls mm-hmm. because of one reason or another because they know a lot about more about yeah. these guys than than we do. Sure, a miles. Well, you know what? Hit some of your guys that you have that you feel like are very likely not going to be there, but could be there, and then you've got that tough decision to make. Yeah, you got a handful of them. Yeah, well, you know, I would say. The edge is probably the like the, the Miles area. Murphy. Yeah, of yeah. The world. You know, I, you know, if if Anderson from Alabama, mm-hmm. yeah. If Wilson from Texas Tech, mm-hmm. if Van Ness mm-hmm. from Iowa, if Murphy, all those guys could go before us. Very much so. Nolan yeah. Smith could go before us. Mm-hmm. If we have, you know, I love all of those guys. Sure. So if. Any of those guys were real close to us, and I thought somebody else was going to get them. Mm-hmm. I would consider moving. Okay, okay. I would not move. I, I don't think there's any other position 
that right. I would say that I'm going to jump up to get somebody. Okay. And, but Lucas Van Ness, you, you kind of like. Yeah, I like yeah, Van Ness. Yeah. Okay. And then there's another guy in there, McDonald, that I don't yeah. even have written here. It's, it's, that, that, it's uh, Will like, McDonald, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because people are kind of up and down on this guy. Right. Uh, but long arms, uh, yep. they think potential. Good athlete. Uh, yeah. Can run. And, and so he might be one that if he falls to you, then yeah. you're going to have to make a tough decision. Yeah, correct. He'd be in a pile, though. Right. He's not one of those guys that's up there where you say, you know, you're going to make, is this guy dropping? Is this right. guy dropping? He's not dropping. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be in that, in that pile. That, yeah, in that He's going to be in that pile at 24, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. All right. So before we get out of here, let's hit the top of the draft real quick. Because Jacksonville's not picking at the top, and Jacksonville doesn't have to worry about a quarterback. So, Thank goodness. Yeah. We're in a good spot right now in Duval. But Bryce Young, the news came out yesterday that he canceled all of his other visits, pre-draft visits, none. He is now the betting favorite to be number one overall and go to Carolina. Now the news comes out, before we started doing our podcast, that Will Levis, according to Vegas, and Vegas is pretty, pretty yeah. good this way, yeah. That the uh, Caesar Sportsbook has moved him up as the next betting favorite quarterback to go off the board. Do you think he goes number two to the uh, Houston Texans? That would be something. Yeah, uh, you know, I, to be honest with you, I hadn't looked at Levis as much as I did those other right top right. guys because uh, you know I felt that there there were some weaknesses there. Very inconsistent player, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a big arm, big. Can move, mm-hmm. so I mean he's definitely a, a a prospect, but I don't know how good a prospect he is. Right. But the one thing it does show me is if if that in fact is the case, there's some concern about Stroud because mm-hmm. I, in my mind when I look at the two guys, there was no question in my mind that uh, I would take Bryce Young at number one. Okay, and I've said that every time we've talked about it. Uh, the thing about Stroud is that Ohio State quarterback thing. Could factor in, but I, you know, I don't know. I just is something they don't like about him. Yeah, and inconsistency is one of it. Yeah, they had a great, he had one great game against yeah. Georgia. That's it. And and he moved well in that game. Was a good decision maker. But then, if you say to yourself, why did he have a, or or you say to yourself, he had a great game against Georgia. The next thing you got to say to yourself is, why didn't he have a bunch of good games like that? And that could be the reason. He's not the most mobile guy. Right. Uh, he does have the size. He can move, but he doesn't do it all, all, all the time. And a fairly good passer, but they just may have knocks on him. And you know, to your point, and a lot of people have, have felt this way, the Buckeyes play a Big Ten schedule, and they out-recruit, by and large, everybody. Right. Not named Michigan, and now more recently not named Penn State. But everybody right. else, they are head and shoulders, uh, a deeper roster and a more talented roster. And so maybe that is why the quarterback shot. Well, and I and I think Levis, from what I've seen, is, can move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, for definitely. a big guy. Yeah, uh, Anthony Richardson can definitely move. Yep, Bryce Young can move. Oh yeah. So I think what they're doing with a quarterback position in this day and age is if they've got the other measurables and mm-hmm. intangibles, the arm, the mm-hmm. you know, the things you look at, yep. the, the the smarts, the arm, yep. the I call character. It. I call it the triple A arm, attitude, and, and meaning, you know, can you be a yep. baller right. and accuracy? Yeah. If it, they've got those things, yeah. but they also have maneuverability because the defenses today can fly now. They're, oh, yeah. they're, they can move. This is, a, you know, you, you got guys up front coming after you. 
you've got to have a little bit of mobility. Mm -hmm. That's maybe why Levis moves up ahead of Stroud. Yeah, we'll find out. That would be some kind of get if Will Levis moves up. Uh, the meteoric rise that we've seen from Anthony Richardson, we'll find out if it's real or not, yep. you know, coming up next Thursday night. Absolutely. All right, Coach, we are out. Campo and Joe, always appreciate you you all tuning in, finding us wherever we are at. Uh, all of Duval getting fired up for that uh, that selection next Thursday Absolutely. This will be a fun couple of weeks here. Campo and Joe, have a great week.